Ephesians chapter number 6, chapter number 5, excuse me. Ephesians chapter number 5. And um, I'm going to preach a, a fairly familiar text, and it'll be verse number 18. And uh, some of this may sound familiar to you. It wasn't too long ago we actually um, spoke a little bit, kind of in passing, about this particular verse. And um, I want to uh, I want to try to do that again tonight. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 18, uh, I'll not, we'll read, we'll read down to verse number 20 or through verse number 20. If you found your place, say amen for me. Amen. amen. Didn't the young folks do a good job tonight? Amen. amen. They did a wonderful job. I appreciate it. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this particular verse, we see... Our text is verse number 18, and uh, we see, of course, the one that, that, that everybody notices first is, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And that's in your Bible. Would you agree with that? That is in your Bible. You need to learn it. You need to think about it. But I don't want to focus so much on that first phrase, but rather the last. But be ye filled with the Spirit. I'll, I'll make some some... Um, some references to the first part of that verse as we go along. But I want to try to preach or, 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 or something. I, I want to call it preaching, but I'm not sure what gear I'll get in tonight, but about the Spirit-filled life. And if you're looking for a title, just entitle it that, The Spirit-Filled Life. But as you and I are going through our lives as a believer, if, 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 if the assumption tonight is everyone in here is saved and they're born again, then I'm speaking to everyone. Now, I'm going to draw a line in the sand tonight, and I'm going to say very pointedly, if you've never accepted Christ in your life, then tonight you may think that this message has nothing to do with you. Uh, and, and at current state, it does not. But if you will but give your life to Christ then you can build upon this message, okay? And so, uh, as, as we are going through our lives, there is something about the Christian life that, that we want, and I believe everyone wants a successful Christian life. I don't know of anybody, and, and I'm going to say this carefully, I don't know of anybody that truly wants to be a follower of Christ that gets saved and makes a profession and then never does anything. Now, I feel I got one amen on that, and I feel like I, I, I need to clarify. I've seen a lot of folks that they come down and they make a profession, but I don't believe they have a possession 
I don't believe they've truly got it because they get up and they go back to life as normal. They go back to their home where, where everything's a mess. They go back to work where every, their life is a mess, mess. They never do anything for God. Now, it may be true that they do get saved. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not God, so I can't speak to that. Uh, but I believe if someone truly wants to be a follower of Christ, and they make that profession, then they have a desire to be successful in their Christian life, okay? And so on that line of thinking, I want to say again very carefully that, uh, and I'm not speaking of eternity here, we spoke of that this morning, uh, but for me, and I can only speak of me, Brother Kurt, it, w- it was not just enough to be saved. Now, do you understand what I mean by that? It was enough to get to heaven to be saved. There's nothing more to be done. I I was free from guilt and shame. I was cleansed. I was purged. I was washed. Okay? I'm not trying to, to recount that or anything. But I needed more than just being saved. Now, I was saved when I was 12 years old. And so I had a lot of life to live between 43 and 12, all right? So where I am now and where I was then, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of unsuccess as well because I missed some things. I missed some things. I got lax on some things. I got lazy on God. There's some things that I missed out because I quit having a desire to want more in light of the Scripture and in light of the Spirit. And so, as I say that, I believe that every Christian, every child of God that's actively trying to follow the Lord, they want something from God. Every day they get up and they begin their day, maybe with prayer, or maybe with devotion or Bible study or, or, or something, uh, because they want something for God. Uh, maybe they don't have that dedicated time where where they are uh, uh, maybe in a secret place, or maybe uh, they're not with their Bible hand, uh, their, their Bible on their hands and knees. Maybe they're driving down the road, they're listening to a, a Christian podcast or a preacher, or the Bible being read, or maybe on their lunch break or or something like that. They may pull the Bible up on their on their phone and they may read it. And so they're they're I'm not ridiculing any of those. Things, Miss Irene. That may be you getting more of God. But I gotta remind you of our text. It says, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. And so, though this scares the fool out of some people, I believe every child of God needs to have a desire to be filled with the Spirit. You say, well, that's not for me. I'm not a preacher, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. I beg to differ with you. I believe the Scripture is written written to all men. Yes, this was written to the church at Ephesus, but I believe now in the, what is this, the 21st century, I believe that we can properly say uh, that God has given us the Word of God for the instruction and for doctrine of all men. And so as we look at this, we have to understand that we, too, in today's time, need to be filled with the Spirit. 
There's too many that say and focus on the first part of this verse, and they focus on the the alcohol side of it. And, and I had a conversation with a young man about this this uh, a few weeks ago, and and it's a valid point, okay, in context. But today I want us to know that it is giving us a, a, a gloomy picture of being drunk to the point of being in a stupor, not being able control to control anything that we say or anything that we do. But he says on the other side, why don't you be drunk? Why don't you be filled with the Spirit? As much as you used to in that old man, in that old state, you used to go out and ruin everything, drinking something, whatever it may be, or doing something that put that inebriated you. He says, I want you to do the same thing, but with God. One writer said, if I could find where I put the little note, it says, In store, instead of resorting to wine to cheer and animate you, throw your hearts open to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so the things that we used to find joy in, in days gone by, the teaching is, instead, find that joy, that happiness, that contentment in the Holy Spirit of God. So as we look a little bit further, we understand and you can read your Bibles and you'll find a whole lot of thou shalt nots. You'll find a whole lot of don't do this. But you'll also find, as it's mentioned here, be not drunk. So don't be drunk, but it says be ye filled. So in other words, it says do this. And one writer said that if we would spend our time doing the do's, then we won't have time to do the don'ts. Now let that sink in just a minute. It's so simple, it's funny. If we, if we spend our time doing the do's, what God has told us to do, we'll not have time to do the don'ts, the things that the shall nots, the, the don't do this, don't do that. And so as we try our best to, to bring it all down to verse number 18, this last point, we look at this particular thought of being filled with the Spirit. Now there's reasons, number one, reasons for being filled with the Spirit. I believe that we are to be filled continuously. I was reading, I told you, I was reading about Paul and over in the book of Acts, chapter number 9 is when Paul got saved. And uh, if you look with me over there in verse number 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, Paul, or Saul at this time, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with with the Holy Ghost. So as a saved child of God, we ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought to be filled continuously. I've mentioned this before. You've heard it. We are leaky vessels. All right, you get filled up here in the house of God and you go out on maybe Sunday night or you go out Monday into the world and you find that the things that you got filled up in very rapidly begin to seep out of your your spirit. And so you need to be filled again. And so I believe that we are to be filled continuously. I believe we ought to be filled consciously. Uh, this is to be deliberate or to be intentional. Uh, I, I watched last week as we... We 
were on vacation and there were people all around us at the beach that were popping tops and they were drinking their booze and and uh, I told uh, the family I went down around 7.30 or 8 I got in the elevator and as I got on the elevator there was two men and a woman that got on the elevator with me at that early of the morning and they already had a solo cup filled with some alcoholic beverage they are purposely filling themselves with something that's going to intoxicate them. I wonder when the last time that a Christian purpose I wonder when the last time a Christian at Lighthouse purposely decided that they wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about it. It, it needs to be continual, but it needs to be conscious and then conspicuous. Being filled with the Spirit ought to be conspicuous. It ought to be clearly visible. Uh, Until this becomes a reality in our lives, we're going to go through our lives either not being filled at all or being sporadically filled and having the Spirit of God uh, in us and showing itself in us, uh, whether it be in wisdom, whether it be in action, whether it be uh, in, in the way that we present ourselves, the way that we sing or play or preach or teach or whatever it may be. Uh, The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Understand that. When we get saved, He dwells within us. But the Scripture is talking about being filled with the Spirit. And it ought to be something that we are consciously and conspicuously and continuously desiring. We see that the reasons for being filled with the Spirit is obedience to God. We look here in our text and it says, uh, if you feel like it, go ahead and get some of the Holy Spirit. It's not what it says. It says, be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. So it is a command, not a suggestion. There's a lot of commands in the Word of God that in our modern day Christianity we've turned around and we've, we've interpreted as a suggestion. <clears throat> I've got in my Bible somewhere, I've got a little note. That says there's a difference between a commandment and a conviction. And people of all ages have argued that point with me. God has given us some commands. God has told us to do some things. He's told us to abstain from some things. But in our modern day, we say things so silly as, well, God's never convicted me of that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I'm just going to tell you this. I feel like if the Holy Spirit convicts me of something, and and y'all may disagree with me, but if the Holy Spirit convicts me of something and tells me that it is wrong, but yet you can uh, flamboyantly do the exact same thing, and the Holy Spirit not bother you at all, one of us is wrong. And it ain't me. You can like that or lump it, honey child. It don't matter to me. If the Holy Spirit is saying, don't, don't, don't to my heart, but He clearly lets you, something is wrong. It may be that you are a bastard and not a son. It may be that you, I know that's strong language, but it's Bible language. It may be that you're not a child of God to begin with. Somebody help me right there. There's obedience to God. There's also, as we look at this, we we see under this obedience that it is in the present tense. He says, but be ye filled. That's that's at any point that you read that, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
Not only is it the present tense, but it's also plural. He is writing a letter. Paul's writing a letter to a church of believers. And as a church of believers, we are reading this, and he's not talking just to the pastor. He is not talking just to the leaders. He is talking to the church. And so to the church tonight, I say, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's not the filling of the Spirit is not a privilege of just a few, but it's a command for all. It's not the abnormal Christian experience. See, what has happened, and again, in our modern churches, in our independent modern churches, we have assigned the Holy Spirit to work only with the charismatics. If somebody talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're charismatic. They're Pentecostal. They're church of something or another. Who was it that leapt in his mother's womb when Jesus came near? Somebody help me. John. John the what? What was he? He was a baptizer. Kurt, you should know this. What were the early Baptists called? They were called Anabaptists. Why? Because they refused to baptize infants for salvation. They said salvation only comes by Christ, by the blood of Christ. And so John the Baptist refused to baptize some as well. So we, we look, we, and I'm not a Baptist brider either, but we look all the way back and we can see something happening in someone called the Baptist. And so don't let, don't let society strip the Holy Spirit away from this church. I'll go ahead and, and, and give you something, and, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you up, but just kind of warn you, y'all have done pretty good since April the 27th. But there's other times to shout and weep and cry and raise your hands other than one week in a year. You can do that throughout the year. Matter of fact, it'd help you to do that every day. Now, I don't. <laughs> I don't do that every day, but I wish I could, Brother Samuel. Now, I say I wish I could, and that's on me. That's not on God. Maybe I should have said I wish I would. Because God's never changed. He's not going to change. But it's me that changes. It's me that gets up and says, I don't feel like praising the Lord. I don't feel like worshiping in the Spirit. Instead, I ought to get up, as I mentioned earlier, I ought to get up, start my day the right way, and get plugged in with God. Ought to be for every one of us. So not only is there obedience to God, but there's an obligation to God. And I don't want to be redundant here, so I'm going to go very quickly. We don't just owe God our obedience, but we do have an obligation to Him in this. We're obligated. We are servants of Christ. We are fellow servants. We are sons of God. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. So we owe God obedience, but we have an obligation. In every area of our life, there's an obligation that we must strive to, as Peter said, be ye holy. How could Peter say that we ought to be holy? Now, now the word, you have to look at it, it says, be ye holy, for I am holy. But he's talking about God, not Peter. 
So Peter essentially says you need to be holy because God is holy. How are we to worship God? Somebody help me. In spirit and in truth. So if we're going to worship God, we've got to have the spirit worshiping in us. There's several areas where this spirit-filled life is necessary. I'm going to give you these and I'll leave you alone. If you got your Bibles open, keep it open. We're going to read a few verses. We just read verse number 18. I want to read again quickly verse number 19 and 20. He says in 18 to be filled with the Spirit. Verse number 19 says, how are you to be filled with the Spirit? Well, he says, won't you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God for it and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of these areas is your worship life. If you want, if you want a Spirit filled life, you need it in your worship life. To experience, experience, I'll get it out in a minute, true worship, we must be sensitive to the Spirit. We said it just a moment ago, God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and truth. There is no other way to worship God. There are some that are going to try, they're going to try to work it up. And, and I've been one of those that have watched some of these charismatic things on TV, and, and I just sit there in awe. Because Miss, Miss, Miss Denise, I'm looking at them like they, some of them look like they're plugged in. But then some of them look like they're unplugged. I mean, just. And then I look at, at some of our churches. And everybody's looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. And I'm thinking, man, it'd be nice to have kind of a happy medium right there. I had, had this side of the church hooping and hollering, this side and throwing babies in the air. That'd be good. Be, just throw them, just, it'd be wonderful. But if we want true worship, he says, we need to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in our heart, giving thanks unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our worship life needs a feeling, a feeling of the Spirit. Not only that, but our wedded life. Chapter 5 still, verse number 22. Let's let's look at 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, even even as unto the Lord. I've always found it peculiar that it says your own husbands. Y'all think about that for a minute. I don't know if I'm going to step on toes or I'm going to plow right here. But I've watched. And and I can honestly say, I can honestly say, I've not seen it so much here. I have seen it here, but I've seen it in other places so many times. Where, now we're talking about the wives right here. We're in verse number 22, I think. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. The wives are very submissive to the pastor. The wives are very submissive to other men in the church and other men around them. 
but they treat their husbands like absolute dogs, dirt, no good for nothing. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. Now, you flip that, that doesn't mean treat your husband like, like he's, he's, respectfully, I'm saying this, like he's a god or a king and treat everybody else like dirt. That's not what that means. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, listen to this, as unto the Lord. The reason there's so many people failing at the first part of this is because they haven't done the last part. Uh oh. The reason that so many wives aren't submitting to their own husbands is because they've not submitted themselves to the Lord. Number next. 23. Why should she do this? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their, here it is again, own husbands in everything. Now, verse number 25, I feel, trumps everything in the previous verses. The wives get so mad when preachers talk about submit, submit, submit. But if I can help you here, he didn't say anywhere, wives, love your husbands. You ought to. You took a vow. You ought to love your husbands. Somebody, some of you wives, some of you husbands say, man, you ought to be scared of one another. Good night of living. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. How many knows the church has hurt Christ over and over again? How many knows that the, the church is made up of individuals that mess up over and over again, but Christ still loves them? Now, how many understand that he's comparing a husband and wife relationship to a Christ and a church relationship? Wives are going to fail. Husbands are going to fail too, but wives are going to fail. And he doesn't say to submit to the wives. Men, he does not say submit to your wives. He does say love your wives. When your wife has got that loud mouth going on, he said love them. I think somewhere in the original he says choke them out. (laughs) But somewhere along the lines he kind of cleaned it up a little bit and he said to love them. He says, love them as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm not being sappy, but I love my wife. And I'm so thankful, and and I don't mean any disrespect here, but I'm so thankful that I can't compare my wife to any of your wives. God didn't put your wives with me. He put her with me. She may she may compare herself with some of you, but I don't. I y'all help me. I have no business comparing my wife to any of y'all. Husbands, you better not compare your wife to anybody else's wife. Because you will be going down a Quite slippery slope in your marriage and in your relationship with God. Y'all still with me tonight? 
I was not supposed to do any of this. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we need the Spirit in our worship life. We need the Spirit in our wedded life. We need the Spirit in our work life. In chapter 6, verse number 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to, uh, where we at? according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of, of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. If you've got a job, you need to have the Holy Spirit of God in you at work. And if that man or that woman or that person you've never seen before is signing your paycheck, you need to be working as unto Christ. There will not be any of this. Well, I, I tell you what, I wouldn't hire him. He, you know, he just, he, he ain't good for nothing. That should never be said about a Christian. Should never be said about a Christian. It should never be, it should never be talked amongst employers how that they know that you go to church and you go to these meetings and you love the Lord, but you're a sorry worker. It shouldn't happen. You need the Spirit in your work life. You ought to serve your boss as it, I, I, y'all ain't gonna like this. You ought to serve your boss as if he were Christ himself. Most bosses are not. Somebody help me right there. Well, David, ain't you glad I didn't point at you? Boy, that's a blessing. Jim, on the other hand, love you, brother Jim. But we ought to serve our bosses. We ought to do it everything for the glory of God. Then, in our war life, some of y'all are like, well, you're talking now. I get to fight. Yeah. But you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting principalities. Against powers. Against rulers of darkness in this present world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. You start reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, all the way down to verse 16, 17, 18, or wherever you want to stop. We are in combat with the most powerful enemy that we will ever be in combat with. And that is our adversary, the devil. That is those workers in the darkness. And the only hope that we have in overcoming this is the one that lives within us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are what? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And so if we need the Lord and we need the Spirit in our war life, understand that that the devil, the enemy, he is after our home. He is after our family. He is after our marriage. He is after our faith. He is after our health. He is after our happiness. He is after anything that he can touch and anything that he can destroy. Because he wants to completely devour you. I mentioned this morning that he is an accuser of the brethren. He will tell God, God already knows everything that we've done. And as I mentioned, he forgets those things that we seek forgiveness for. But those things 
things that we have done that we have not sought forgiveness. God knows those things and the devil will bring them up and he will say you need to punish him. You need to do this. You need to do that. He will try his best to accuse us. As I've mentioned just a moment ago, he's after your family, husbands, he's after your wives, wives, he's after your husband, mamas and daddies, he's after your children, children, he's after your mamas and your daddies, he's after everything that you think dear. And so that is why we need the Spirit. And we need to be filled with the Spirit because this is a battlefield. We need it in our witness life. I'm done. We need the Spirit in our witness life. He says in verse number 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, he just gave us the, the, uh, uh, the armor of God. He ended with, take the helmet, in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's given us all of these things. Now, he says, once you've put all of these things on, he said, now it's time to go to battle. And when you go to battle, you're going to be out there with people that need to hear the truth. They need to have a witness. He said, you need to pray with all prayer and supplication. You need to watch with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Understand that that brother or that sister sitting next to you, they are in just as dire circumstances as you are. They are in the same battle that you are. And the same devil that wants to ruin your wife and your husband and your children, he wants to ruin theirs too. And so bless God, it do us all good to look out for our brother, look out for our sister. And you see the devil, I begin to mount an attack. I get that sword of the Spirit. I get that Word of God. Begin to pray. Begin to seek instruction and go to battle for our brothers and our sisters because they may fall. And you might have been able to stop it. Verse number 19. He says, and pray for me. He just said in verse 18, praying always. Now he says, and for me, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We need the Spirit of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit in our witness life. There are people in this community. There are people just right down this road, right down this road, down everywhere you look. Probably I, I'm probably the, the people that live furthest away here is Brother Bobby and Miss Samantha. Maybe I don't know, maybe I've missed them. But between here and there, Brother Bobby and Miss Samantha. There's no telling how many people need the Lord. And I, for one, for, for, for over a month now, I've been convicted about my witness life. About telling people about Christ. And slack. And every, this morning we talked about the worth of souls. As we were at the beach, I'd look. And yeah, there was, there were some people that they just didn't look the part. They didn't, Look, if I could say it like this, they didn't, they didn't look worthy. But there was a soul under all of that. If you look beyond that, that beer can, there was a soul that needed something. Look beyond those tattoos that went from the neck all the way down. They, they, they needed something. Brother David, I had it. Church, I had it. 
I had what they needed. I've been transparent. Not a single one of them. Not a single one of them did I tell of a better way. Paul says, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the cross. Would to God, would to God this evening, if we could be filled, myself included, if we could be filled with the Spirit. Talk to a preacher today about this very same subject. And I said sometimes, I just don't know how to start the conversation. You know, there's people that they could, you could be pumping gas and they'll somehow figure out how to, how to talk about the Lord in gas. They see, you know, when you're pumping gas and you see those fumes? You know, the Holy Ghost is like those fumes right there. You can't see Him. But there's evidence of Him. Or they'll use the scripture that I used in James. You see those fumes right there pumping gas? See those fumes right there? That's what your life is. Here in just a couple of seconds, you'll not see those fumes anymore. Your life may be gone. And you're sitting there pumping your 87 octane thinking, what in the world is going on? A lot of times we think of witnessing, witnessing as, oh, just come to church with us. There's nothing wrong with, hey, come to church with us. We need to be doing that. But witnessing is, is doing just that. Witnessing is that, that man or that woman there in the witness stand in a courtroom. And they are telling not what they've heard. Because somebody's going to stand up, objection, hearsay. They don't want to know what they've heard. They want to know what they've seen or what they've experienced. And this world needs to know what we've experienced. We need to, they need to know what Christ has done for us. Yes, keep telling them, come to church. Come to church with me. Sometimes, maybe it's our pride, maybe it's our fear. We don't know how to start the conversation. And I, for one, I'm guilty of it. But it's part of our witness life. And we need that Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God. If we can come with a song of invitation tonight, Brother David, I know your throat's messed up, so if you need some help, get somebody to help you. We've got opportunities to be filled with the Spirit of God. And we need to take them. The good thing about it is we have, this, we, we, we have the opportunity here at church. But you're here at church, just say five hours in a week. You're at work for maybe 40. I know it's summertime or about to be summer for most everybody. You're at school six to eight hours a day, every day. There's, there's a lot of outside influences. But I'm glad that as a child of God, we've got His Word. And we've got the privilege of prayer. So being filled with the Spirit falls on not a single person outside of ourselves. Your pastor can't fill you with the Spirit. Only God can. 
I can pray that, that that happens. But I believe you have to pray for it to happen. So I ask you tonight. Are you willing? Are you, are you willing to ask God to fill you with the Spirit? You say, I, I don't know that I've ever prayed that. I, I wouldn't know what to do. I, I don't, how do you even know? I can't explain it. I really can't. But if you'd be willing to ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit, I guarantee you, He'd be willing to fill you with the Spirit. And in all of those things, all the, that list that I gave you, being filled with that Holy Spirit will help you in every single part of your life. Let's stand.